from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from Change GPS. Joined with me, Paul Marsden from Freedom Interrupted, brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software and the outsourced accounting team for your global human resourcing needs. This week's in-depth is spurred by a Twitter post from Zero account manager Alicia Moreau was very proud that her younger sister had just finished her chartered accounting degree. Accounting degree, I think. Accounting degree at uni, not chartered. She wasn't working yet. Yeah, uh, correct. Although she's working with a friend of the show, Katie Bryan at Propeller Advisory now. Right. Uh, but anyway, um, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Paul Meisner. Thank you very much. Uh, hello, David. Hello, listeners. Hello, all. Uh, welcome. In-depth topic. This, this was this was something I saw. And I, just refreshing my memory on on when it came up. Uh, I think this seemed like pre-Christmas. Uh, it was yeah, December seventeenth. So this is uh, was a really interesting one, and and, and clearly got an awful lot of. Uh, Comments, uh, thank you to Alicia, uh, a friend of the show. Often, uh, often, but this is Alicia, this is better. You be, this is better than best on ground because you've made your whole in depth episode. <laughs> I, I sort of saw it. It's in, better. Do you think people go around like hoping to do things? She to said get- it in her, in one of her, in one of her comments. Right. Anyway, she tweeted me after, after, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, it, clearly, lots of people weighed in on this. It was really interesting to see what. Uh, the comments that came. It was a wonderful thing, obviously, that Alicia was uh, proud of her sister, wanted to help out and wanted to leverage the network. And reading it, it was something that I um, didn't just want to reply quickly and sort of think of the what I would have thought was more cliched answer, uh, but it was something that really I, I did think about during the break and I sort of wanted to wanted to give it some real thought and come up with a few answers. So basically, David and I have come up with what we would tell... You have what we would tell our younger selves. You have seven points. I have four, which clearly means I'm happier with how I turned out than you are. (laughs) Don't spit out your soda stream. Thank you. I was having a drinks break. Oh, I'm not... (laughs) My points are still. It's the start of the show. My I'm points just having still, a drinks break. My points are still fluid at the moment. Well, so you I'm, start. We'll you do a couple, and I'll respond. This is, this, I actually think this is really interesting. And for me personally, last year, um, we, you know, when I was, I spent probably two, three months working out if I wanted to keep building SQL CFO, if I wanted to do something different. Where I am, you know, I kind of really got the benefit at the age of thirty-seven to say, what do I want to get out of my career and out of my family life. And actually a big thanks to a lot of From the Trenches listeners who I hit up for advice over the the, the end of last year before uh, jumping on board with Tim Munner and the team there. But I got to do this very recently. So this is the advice that I'm giving here, I actually, I guess, considered recently. Yeah, no, that's and that is uh, a, good, uh, a good point because you have had to consider that. One of the things, um, it was interesting, one of the things as I look back, over my time uh, with small firms was the one thing that I think I got a lot out of was, was just trying anything. You know, and I think we often, there is a fine line and a caveat with this about taking on too much and not doing any of it properly, but not being, um, 
not being afraid. Just if, if something's happening, put your hand up for it and say, I'll give it a crack. For instance, I think it was in my first month of a grad job. Uh, we're in a small firm, so you did get a chance to do a bit more. Um, there was a large, uh, there was a large capital raise for quite an important client, uh, and they were looking for someone sort of as much in an admin role than anything else to do um, cash flows and manage the document, the document area for the due diligence. It was something that I just put my hand up and said, "Look, I'll, I'll help where I can," you know, and, and things like that. But also, uh, I, spending time on. Uh, spending time on reception and spending time in other areas and just saying, I'll go out and um, I, I took on the audit role in a small firm just to get that experience. You know, I, I think this, trying anything, something has been really good. This is so relevant right now. And there's such a big opportunity for this right now, because if you're a younger listener, you get to say, I'm going to try something tech to do with automation technology in my firm. That opportunity is everywhere. And I will almost guarantee you there is a partner who a part of him or her wants somebody to say, you know what, I'm going to take this off your hands. This is such a cool opportunity because once you roll it out in your practice, you become the raving fan person for it. You've then got a skill that you can sell and consult to your clients on. Like it pays for itself. Like this is the new way to get yourself involved in something in your accounting practice other than work. And, and one of the interesting things for me was this, I, I think the human nature is that we always want to do something that is big or seems important or something that seems fun. So for me, trying anything, it doesn't have to be exciting or going to give you massive amounts of returns. What I'm just saying is more about do things for the experience, whether it's going to get you an immediate pay rise or not, or whether it's going to, going to impact the world or not, just be open and, uh, and do a wide range of jobs. Without taking on too much, that's something I probably I my advice contrary to that is don't say you'll do everything. Just say what you'll be able to do and do it because otherwise you're working far too many hours. Uh, David, what's your first point? From the trenches. Uh, first one is the fun work is still work. And I, I, this is a funny one that's going to lead into my next point. It kind of got me into a trap at times but also probably gave me the most benefits. You sort of get trained as an accountant that work is production. So it's getting a document finished, getting a document out the door, um, completing a task that's been assigned to you, that's work and everything else isn't work. But in the context of your career, there's a lot more that's added to it. Learning, talking to people, networking, um, going to events, reading industry-related stuff, technical stuff, listening to From the Trenches Now would be an example of it. Um, engaging in communities in your local area that relate to work. To me, that stuff's fun. Like, I love that stuff. Like, driving here today, it's 37 minutes to get from my house to your house across the famous Westgate Bridge. I'm much more in my my comfortable territory out here, home of the Western Bulldogs. Down I know, I know. Do you do a drive by a the bit of salute. G'day, boys. Enjoy pre-season training. But I'll give you an example. Like, driving here, so driving here, I called six people all within the accounting industry, just because I wanted to have a chat and see what was going on. And sorry, guys, if you're listening, I was literally just looking for a chat. And then I got here and now I got all the missed calls because I can't, I can't talk to them now. I love that stuff. And I think I used to beat myself up because I think that that wasn't work. So, you know, oh my God, I've done that at four o'clock. I should have been, I should have been working on something productive. That's actually much more productive. That's expanding your brain. Like that's really important stuff. I know it's hard to do when you're an employee and you've got, um, 
you know, you're on somebody else's clock. And I know it's hard to do. But it would extend to me into doing it after hours and I think, oh, I wasn't spending time with the family. I wasn't spending time with friends. I wasn't relaxing. Um, and I, or, or the flip side was that I would not think that that stuff was work because I enjoy it so much that I would then still miss out on the other stuff. It's still work. But it's this interesting thing when the work is valuable and you enjoy doing it and it doesn't feel like work, there's a warning sign also to say, well, just still control it. Don't let it take over everything. Which is a hint that at times I've worked too hard. I think we all have. I think it's yeah. It's certainly I can recall some of my uh, some of the hours we pulled it back then. I think it was a bit more of a ba- of a badge of honour, which was interesting. One of the things around that um, when we're nine minutes in, we've done two. It's pretty good. <laughs> and an intro. Buckle, buckle anyway. in, listeners. Anyway, no, no, no. Uh, one of the things for me that was always interesting and something that I, I focused on early was making myself do. Uh, almost an extra, the way I thought of it was an extra hour a day, but it was after the workday had finished, taking an extra hour to understand why something happened, whether it was to ask Mm. my manager or to go back and review a job, which wasn't back then. Yes, I did timesheets. They were, you know, back in, back in the day, but to actually be able to sit there and say, okay, well, I'm I'm off the clock. You know, it's why did we do that? Why did we have that tax treatment? Do a bit of extra reading. Okay, I came up with this issue and my manager or whoever gave me the answer, but I can go back now and do a bit more research. And I think for me, it was always, um, for me, it was the, the an hour a day gave you at the end of your first sort of two, three years of work. For me, technically, in terms because I I did like the tax technical stuff. I know that was is you know never been mentioned on this show how much I'm a tax nerd, but really did help in that third, fourth, and fifth year yeah. because my tax knowledge because I'd invested because because of the time. tax knowledge is because you'd learn how to navigate asking a question and finding an answer. A bit of both, certainly. I thought my my uh, my searching of the master tax guide. Was uh, was pretty quick. Elite level knowing Doggy knowing where to get it, but guy. also having a fair having a fair base knowledge uh, as well. So anyway, a little bit every day asking why something happened and asking why we did that makes you really re uh, reaffirm that knowledge. Your next one from the trenches. Um, the uh, yeah, the other thing that was interesting, I, I was at a. Um, Valedictory speech at the sort of end of year. Um, I was a speaker for the Monash Society, the business. Oh, you must have graduated. The fraternity. You must have graduated from Monash. Then. No, I was I was invited as a as a guest speaker. Anyway, it was interesting because I was asked a question. Where did where did you graduate from? Latrobe. Oh. Uh, I was Mon- asked. I was Monash asked a myself. question of. I was asked a question of. It was almost this exact question. If you could go back and tell yourself anything. If you can do something differently. And I always think this is a really interesting question. I think it's a bad question for this reason. One is, if we are always focused on the outcome, if the outcome is the only goal, then you, you don't learn anything. With hindsight, you can go, I can go back and change all sorts of things. I wouldn't invest during the global financial crisis. I wouldn't have a margin loan. I would, would have changed a whole lot of things. Yeah, but, you know how many people say I wouldn't have had a margin loan during the GFC? <laughs> I could be right up there. Exactly. So... For me, it's it's not about it's not about what outcomes would you like to go back and change. For me, and the way I answered this question was um, t- 
to not worry about the outcome is just to go back and 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 make sure that as much as you can each decision was the right just make the right decision at the right time with the right information that sounds a bit easy but you know just try to be to understand the reasons be objective and make the right decision because if you're always worried about the outcome sometimes the outcome isn't an absolute factor of anything you do. It just was always going to be the outcome. So make the right decision with the right information. Love it. What do you got? Uh, I'm going out of order on what I put on the sheet here. Your network's only worth what you give to people. I've learned this along the journey. So I um, always had a lot of acquaintances. Graduated from a big school. It was 180 in my graduating year. So I always had a, a lot of acquaintances and made a big effort to keep up with everyone. Slowed down a bit when I got my CA. But it was all, even during CA, I was always... I loved walking to a room full of strangers. I really enjoy that stuff. Um, and I used to think that it was about how big that network was or how many business cards were on my, my desk. And I worked out probably about five, six years ago that doing things for people without asking for anything would be much more rewarding than um, asking because I knew you and asking for favours. It was always good for people to owe you things or to people who have think that you can add value to them rather than the other way around. And it's it's become very, very useful as my life's gone on that there are people I can call up and say, hey, I need help. And it's no doubt they're going to help me because they've, they've had a great experience for me in the past. Now, this sounds also very cliche because you can get this from everyone. I'm going to give some specific examples. It's... Calling somebody up, so that for over the journey, particularly when I was doing a lot of the virtual CFO work, a lot of people call up and say, I'm just struggling with implementing this. Or um, I'm wondering, is this going to have a, 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 a direct question I got was, is this going to increase the value of my firm? I said, well, probably not because you don't know what the outcome is going to be right now. Um, giving people opportunities to be on from the trenches and get their story out there has been tremendously valuable because I'm friends with these people now. Um, what, and, and that's an example where, particularly with, with From the Trenches, we have something that we can give to somebody else. So that's a specific example of how people now in my professional world like working with me because we've sort of, you know, people like doing that sort of stuff. I think it is interesting, certainly um, in the networking sphere, I think as a, you know, as a great accountant, it's... It's not as easy to say, well, give your network something if you're just, if you're just starting out. I mean, there might be something but, if you well, invest no, in I, I'll, I'll challenge you on that because Emma Tibbles, who we spoke about in this week's show, um, gave something to me. She, I gave a talk at a public practice panel. She came up to me afterwards with a notebook and asked me all these follow-up questions. She gave me the recognition that what I said was valuable. As simple as that. It's such a simple, simple thing. Did you tell her you did a TEDx talk? Or she already knew. You already, 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 already told yeah, her. She already knew. Now, interesting. Um, as well as so, I, I sort of add to that. Building... Do I get one off the tally of how often I brought TEDx up? If you no. mention it, no. Um, uh, build a network, and for me, one of the things, and this is this is probably stereotypical and just showing my age, and people are going to be uh, yelling at their phones or however they're listening to this. But one of the things about um, can I? That, this is. I'm not joking. Heather Smith just tweeted 11 minutes ago, listening to David Boyer talk to Andy Hamilton, who's the CEO of the Ice House in New Zealand, a startup incubation hub, about freely sharing knowledge to grow brand and reputation. David thinks it's one of the biggest mindset shifts needed by accountants. Right there, live. I might actually believe this stuff and practice it, Paul. 
<laughs> Glad you're paying attention. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm paying attention to things I've said in the past. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just <laughs> you're paying attention to stuff, the nice things. Oh, I'm not saying nice enough stuff about anyway. <laughs> one of the things for me that, that I, in, in terms of there's a generation that will have grown up being far more interested, uh, case in point, looking at David now, in their phones than in other people. I think one of the things I'm, with... I'm responding to Twitter. ...telling um, is building the ability to have client communication, going out and having conversations with um, business owners and is really honing your communication skills. Because I think that, um, and this isn't about a new skill, old school, I think it's it's always been the, the, the number one skill of accountants is that personal interaction and getting out. You reckon from, that's the number one skill? Yeah. Is it to per- learn or that they have? They, the, the, the current accountants have that uh, and that, and that people need to always be working on relationship building in that way, in mm. having a relationship. We say accountants are known for their communication skills. I think on on tax and small business matters, I think we can build relationships with our clients. I think we have. I think you have to because legally with our clients. Um, but anyway, I think that's. I, I I would go back and 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 really make sure that that client communication, as well. David, what do you got? Um. N- this is an interesting one. It's going to make sense as I tell the story. Keep stumbling. Um, when I was at Moore Stevens doing my CA, it was a really, really tough time because I was missing out on a lot of stuff my friends were doing. Um, I'm not a bookie, studious person. Like I, 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 I learn by talking and by doing. So it was really, really challenging. And what I was doing was staying up at night using something called StumbleUpon. I don't know if you remember StumbleUpon. It was really popular about 10, 15 years ago. And it was a button that you put in your internet browser and you clicked it and it just put random pages up on topics that you pre-selected. And I deliberately picked topics that were well outside my normal viewing and reading world. So I had like philosophy, uh, design, interior design, um, a couple of other topics of things, you know, back then all I was interested in was sport and accounting basically. It was kind of like my whole world when when you're studying. And I'd stay out till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, clicking buttons, looking at random pages and just getting exposed to new ideas. And my boss at the time, Rick Hartman, said, just write a list of all the things you want to keep doing because I was struggling. And he said, and write a list of all the things that you don't like doing. And I wrote on the list, keep stumbling. And the meaning of it was keep finding the new thing. Keep, keep using the stumbling. Yeah, keep, right. keep exposing yourself to a new idea, to a new thing, to a new experience because it just broadens you. And and I'd say keep doing it. You know, even if it's at one o'clock in the morning, you're exhausted because you're up at six to get to the city um, to work. Just keep doing it. I think broadening yourself is always going to be helpful. Uh, my uh, my last one, pretty much just it came out of the use more. This is a factor I think using timesheets. But uh, I spoke before about not being not worried about the outcome of a decision. For me, this is um, in terms of a job is just focus on the output. It's getting, it's focused on the getting the work done. I think that certainly grad accounting used to be, I, I hope it has changed in most firms. I think some bigger firms still use quite a lot of timesheets, but it, it tends to be time focused and it's about how, I think society in general, we ask people how they're doing, oh, I'm busy. It's about how long they work, um, especially at that, at that grad level. You know, I, I think it should be about about the output of the jobs and, and what you're learning rather than physically the time you are spending. Good luck having the conversation with your boss if they don't think that way, though. 
Well, given we didn't actually put any worst on ground this week, but there's been a fair bit um, currently around law firms and their grads having uh, a lot of overtime and, in fact, being in breach of fair work. We will bring that up wow. on the show. In com- yes, it's there's some big law firms that have been, uh, ironically, some of these firms have been advising the likes of Woolworths and others that have had these issues. Yeah, yeah not good. Um, but it, it's really interesting, though, that it has been for accounting and law absolutely uh, flogging the grads in terms of the number of hours they work. Which we can all um, relate to. Which absolutely was almost like a badge of honour. But yeah. it now being in breach of fair work, some, possibly some interesting things there. Anyway, do you agree with the list? Do you add oh, to I'm it? I'm not finished, are Oh, you? sorry. Oh, another really big one. I just figured you weren't paying attention, so you'd finish. So. Um, the biggest thing was call out for help. I didn't, oh, yeah, I've not called out a help for help enough at various times throughout the journey. Um, and if you want to hear more about it, go back to the first mental health episode that we did where we both shared stories where we probably could have called out for help earlier rather than later. I don't think you, I don't think I don't think you ever get to a point where after you go through something, you realise oh, I should have asked for help. I asked for help at exactly the right time. You could always do it earlier. Fair enough. Absolutely. Yeah, and no, no, I think society's a little bit more in tune with that. Anyway, let yes. us know what you think. Uh, what else would you add? We'd love to hear feedback from you. Apart from that, have an awesome week. See ya. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.